0: Greetings, fellow seekers, and welcome to our humble place of refuge. We're here to provide you with zany yet thoughtful and passionate takes on a variety of things from the world of arts and entertainment. These are things that help us get through the grind called life. Art rules and commerce sucks. Don't let the marketplace tell you what to consume. Let us. Will you vouch? Let's find out. Join us now for Secret Sources of Sustenance.
1: We're back. This is episode three, Secret Sources of Sustenance, back in Bob's uh, basement, becoming like a second home.
2: Yes. My basement is a, well, it kind of is a second home to me. Well, well, yeah. So
1: I guess you're technically house. part of your first yeah, it's, home. Yes, what is it? 1A of my,
2: <laughs> of my home. But yeah, I kind of, it, it's actually, uh, it reminds me of uh, that 70s show, like the basement, you know. Oh yeah, the hangout just, spot. Yeah, it's like, we know we're coming out here to podcast. We're, again, we're between paint cans and holiday decorations, but... Whatever.
1: Yeah, good uh, good reference there. <laughs> um, so just a bit of housekeeping, and uh, I'll turn things over to you to, to get us started. because um, this is your your show, your challenge. But, um, before we get into it, um, want to let everybody know we have an email address for the show. It's s s o s pod, at gmail.com. Uh, and thank you to Nick P for sending uh the email with the compliments. You were the the first person to submit an email, so congratulations. We we don't have anything for you, but uh, we, do, <laughs> we do appreciate it. Um, given the you know small size of our audience, if you send us an email, there's a good chance that we'll probably mention, mention it or respond. Yeah. So pod at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter handle. Bob, you set that up. So uh, what, is the, yes, what is that I Twitter believe,
2: handle? I believe I, I am not super active yet. Uh, that will be, but I'm pretty sure it is at s s o s I'm I'm checking it here while we're doing this. Yeah, it's at s s o s pod p o d for podcast um, on Twitter, and then the full name is Secret Sources of Sustenance. So if you search that, it'll pull it up. And uh, I think the only person that's following it as of now is is me, <laughs> but I <laughs> but I have not uh, not been too active on there. So but we'll, we'll use that moving forward. And then to to Ben's point with the uh, with the email address, I mean I think we have as we kind of get going, we've got plans for the social media and what we want to really use the email address for and but compliments are of course always welcome right
1: yeah i think with the email address or the the twitter uh handle um you know if you if you um see the title of a show um and you want to uh to send them some some questions about that show or give us your thoughts or tell us whether you you vouch for the show um or vouch for the material on the show um, and and also
2: play play along like uh you know so as you're following along with what we challenge each other to uh you're you know you can get on there and and who knows maybe eventually there'll be like discussions among people just you know about (laughs) what we were talking about adding things we forgot or just paying us compliments or telling us we're horrible I i mean whatever
1: yeah um it's there for whatever um we did have a few people uh reach out to ask us um about those Ishii songs and that's that's great hopefully we've created a few new fans
2: absolutely um,
1: so the song that plays on in the intro is uh, called Mother Prism it's from his 2013 album Digital Wounds and then uh, the song that plays on the outro is um, our time from Ishii's uh, 2010 album Through the Trees and Bob just wanted to give you a quick compliment on um, the song choices I think they work really well given the the themes of the show. I mean, um, in Mother Prism, you get the lyrics, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. There's enough love to go around. Um, we talk about the show kind of being an escape from the, the grind of adulthood and about making room for what you love. So I think those those lyrics are really fitting. And then on our time, you know, the opening line is, uh, don't let go who you are. You came too far to be the one left standing on a falling star. So.
2: Um, And you could see that, I mean, you could apply that to many different things in life, but for the show, I just kind of thought that was like, uh, you know, don't, don't, I interpret that as, for this show, is just, you know, let yourself go and love the things you love, and if you have a little thing like we're doing here, we're doing this to create a space for us to do something creative, you know, and instead of just thinking about it, if you want to do something creative, get out there and do it, who cares, you know, no matter what age, young, old, just go... Find something that you're passionate about and do it and try to stay positive. I mean, I think that's another thing with our show is we're here to have fun, but I think positivity, too, because there's just so much negativity all around us. You that's know? right. It's it's good to just kind of be happy and have fun. <laughs>
1: yeah. We were just talking about some of the negativity before we started recording. <laughs> yes. but yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's easy
2: to do, right? It's everywhere. Just turn the TV on.
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> Pick right. Any
2: channel, any channel. <laughs>
1: um, so where we left things at the end of the last podcast is it's, uh, you know, you telling me Nick Cage is your favorite actor which I which I know yeah. um, and you wanted me to see um, some movies that uh, really kind of showed uh, why he was great or some examples of his greatness uh, and so you picked three movies for me to check out um, Birdie which came out in 1984 mm-hmm. uh, Bad Lieutenant port of call New Orleans that one came out Oh nine, I believe I and then uh, Joe that came out in 2013, and um, so happy to say I did um, check out all three of those. Um, I had as not. As did I revisited, revisited
2: as well. them as well. You revisited them as well. okay. Yes,
1: sir. And then I took it a step further. Just today I went back and um, uh, watched uh, Leaving Las Vegas, ah. which I had seen oh, yeah. before. Oh yeah. think That's his one Oscar. Film, Oscar right? victory Yes. the only time
2: he's no he was nominated for uh he's been nominated for two Oscars for in leading roles and that is uh for adaptation and then previously leaving Las Vegas which he won the Oscar for that
1: so that's the only one that he won that's the only one that, only one that he has won okay yes, yes so I re-watched um that earlier today and then um I also watched uh Raising Arizona which okay. it had been uh eons and this is great i saw that so i i am primed to talk about uh nick cage
2: all right man that's I, good i
1: was hoping to get to mandy because you know i
2: was ho- See, I, I was hoping I, that was going to be your secret little slide in there no with mandy. I, I ran but out. maybe we do that one together we'll, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll figure that a night out where we can earn you know at one of our houses and we'll do mandy together because it's uh yeah man it's
1: I, awesome. I read the little synopsis yeah. and uh it seems pretty pretty wild even by nick cage standards
2: yeah, it's uh, not for everyone. Yeah. And yeah. then and then followed that, that one followed up, uh, actually, those, Mandy, and then there was a movie that, um, uh, what is it, Color of Space, I believe, isn't, an, and it's like a horror, sci-fi, alien, weird, and it, it was, those were the last two movies I saw of Cage's in the theaters, because he doesn't, there's no movies that are ever in the theaters anymore with him. Right. So I went down to Front Street uh, here in town and caught both of those. I had to go to a horror, I had to buy a complete, this is... Yeah, just, I'll tell you. I had to buy a, uh, I think we had to buy a thirty-eight-dollar horror movie pass because it was like it, the only way you could watch it was to buy the pass oh, to this you, horror film. Oh, you test. couldn't just get a ticket for yeah, that. Yeah, so we. Yeah. that movie, yeah. My buddy, who is a giant Nicholas Cage, well, uh, fan as well, Casey, if you're, if he's listening, um, so we spent I think close to like thirty-eight bucks a piece just to go see. Uh, I think it was the Color Out of Space. It's yeah, uh, yeah. a. Commitment. That's,
1: yeah. That's, <laughs> yes. That's, level of dedication that's uh yeah
2: yeah that, it's I'm, I'm still a big like when it comes to cage i'm still just a total like loser kid you know i mean i i want like the free you know like i used to go the first night and get like the free button or the free promotional you know item or i'm always reading about you know what what movies get he's coming out with well, I've, and i've texted you on, on some that i think like oh man even people that are not huge fans would uh
1: yeah we're going to talk about a couple a yeah. couple of his movies that yeah. are uh coming soon that I'm excited to to see but uh you know you were the challenger for this show right where to where do you want to start with uh, well so
2: I got to thinking about you know we we some people may have misinterpreted to me challenging you these three movies to specifically discuss the movies and that was not the intent and I don't think that either of us but I we, we clarified that actually you did so I thought what I would do is I would give you because there's a lot of people that I feel that liked Nicolas Cage at one time uh, they don't really care for him anymore because they're a there's no movies in the movie big movie theaters, mm-hmm. and he's become a joke in several circle, circles on the internet in regards to like memes and just doing horrible movies and, you know, like oh it's Nicolas Cage freaking out that's all he can do and people yeah. forget that what I don't forget and that's why he's my favorite actor is how great he is as a as an actor in terms of you know you hear people talk about Christian Bale and great actor of course uh, that's why right. I'm saying him but people that you know, are unique. Delve into their roles. You know, always looking to bring something unique to the like. He invented that. Like that. Like to me, in my opinion, there will never ever be another Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm drawn to him because of he his uniqueness, right? He okay. He is. He is.
1: He's doing his own thing. He's a unique bird.
2: Totally doing his own thing. Yeah. You know, and and so I was attracted to that uh, early on, and then. But back to why I picked these movies is I feel like if you're going down that feeling of thinking like, oh, he sucks, or oh, it's Nicolas Cage, he's you, whatever it may be. Right. These three, I feel, reset you to where you can appreciate um, everything he has to offer uh, as an actor. Yeah. If I could pick three films to novice Nicolas Cage fans or folks that aren't diehard or haven't seen a lot of his movies. Yeah. That's why I chose these because two of these are my top, in my top five all-time Cage performances. And that's why I want to bring up the word performances I don't look at him. I don't like Nicolas Cage for his movies. I'm about Cage, like what what he
1: brings to those movies. Not, not, yeah.
2: Where his head is at, like what he, what you can tell, like after you've watched a lot of his movies and read about him and you get to know him, like you can see what I can almost guess. Like, and Kristen hates it. Like, if we're if if we're watching, uh, I will try to pick, you know, be like, I bet you that was. I'll bet you that was ad libbed. I bet you he made this up. This wasn't in the script, you know. Right. So that I, I, it's him. It's not. You could put him in a movie about making paper in a factory. Yeah. I'm gonna you're, see
1: it. You're following him all the way through the movie. You're not really following the
2: plot so much. You, you can Well, but if it's a great plot, yeah. Then that's well, like that's just a double, double bonus, bonus, right? Because yeah. I love film. Yes, yeah. yeah.
1: So can I, I give you my my thoughts on uh, Nick Cage, like when when you from was, those
2: you three was, movies, was, which again were Birdie. Um, and let's, you want to just briefly, let's just set up the synopsis of those movies real quick.
1: Well, um,
2: can I be better at doing that?
1: Oh, no, 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 no. That, I, right. I, can I take just a step back and just, um, before I tell you like what I thought of his performances in these three yes. movies, tell you what I thought about Nick Cage, I guess, before you challenged me prior to, okay. to watch yeah. these three. Yeah. That'd be even better. So, I mean, I've always had a, a great deal of respect for him as an actor. Right. But, um. You know, to your point, he's been a little out of sight, out of mind lately. He hasn't been in um, anything as of late. You know, especially. It's real been recent. probably
2: close to a decade now that he hasn't. He has not had a a larger film
1: that's garnered a whole bo- lot of attention. Correct in um, the box at,
2: at the mainstream box office level, yes.
1: Um, but I guess the way I look at him, like I, I've seen him um, knock it out of the park in enough roles that I think he's just one of those guys that can kind of turn it on, uh, any, anytime time he wants. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was good to go back and kind of revisit you know, earlier points in his career and just to, to remember, right. You know, how how good he was and how big of a star this was at, at one point. I mean, and the way, I guess the way I've, I think about him, like his movies fall into sort of like three different buckets. Right. And, um, I'll let you react to this, but like, he's got sort of his popcorn movies where you know he does a serviceable job in fun movies. So this would be like The Rock, Con Air, Face Off, Yeah, National Treasure, Gone in 60 Seconds,
2: uh, Yeah, Yeah, so like Family Man, things like that. Yeah,
1: exactly. So fun movies, popcorn movies, and and he does good. It's not great. It's serviceable. No. And then there's like. the more serious or art house movies where he does a great job and these are good to great movies and he does a great job um so leaving las vegas mm-hmm. you know adaptation mm-hmm. raising arizona yes eight millimeter
0: yes matchstick uh, man lord of war
1: lord yeah um, another
2: fantastic cage movie people forget about him and phoenix were awesome in that yeah so
1: and then like the third bucket is like the straight to on demand slash red box
2: He's doing those for the money. He's
1: doing, uh, yeah, I guess for the money. And but he's maybe the best thing, or at least the most memorable thing in those, yes. those and he otherwise knows that, really right? bad movies. <laughs>
0: right, right.
1: Uh, yeah, we could talk about whether, yeah, whether he's self-aware enough to to realize that 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 is the case. So the three movies you gave me, Birdie, Bad Lieutenant, Porta Call, New Orleans, and Joe, mm-hmm. those to me square folly with uh, square fall squarely within each category. No, I think Time. that's second bucket. I think these are all more like more serious movies, or even art house movies, where he does a great job,
2: right? And the but, movie is good to great. Yeah, so so that's what I tried to do is I wanted to have a good plot for you on things, but then let him showcase uh, everything that he can bring to a character. And I feel like he hits. I feel like everything he does well is conveyed in these three movies right down to what he has done to prepare for roles what he like so the reason i picked birdie is birdie i believe is like his sixth or seventh movie and it was his first really really dramatic role and him and him and matthew modine who is fantastic they're both fantastic in the movie yeah. i think so i think yeah. they're fantastic in the movie um and it is a, but it's still like a little offbeat like when you watch it as a whole it's still kind of this quirky weird but then like there's parts of it that are it's an it's an interesting movie to where I think, if I had to guess... I mean, I've never heard him talk about this, but I almost feel like he experimented in this movie for the first time in regards to different... Like, for example... He um, let himself
1: he, go a little unrestrained.
2: Well, at times, but then he also was doing the dramatic... It's like he... He was doing everything in this movie to try to show himself, like, I can be crazy, I can be tough, yeah. I can be good-looking, I can be funny, I can be depressed, yeah. I can be serious, you know? And then what's cool, though, about it is they had actually, uh, Matthew Modine and Nicolas Cage, had auditioned for the opposite roles.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. So
2: Cage auditioned for the birdie role, and Modine auditioned for the uh, Alfonso uh, yeah. Botto role. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when they both got the parts, they then were then informed. And Cage was like, both of them were like, uh, how are we going to do this? You know? Yeah. Um. So I would have to think that that experience on this movie really shaped the way... that that That's like, to me, when I see that movie, I, I'm like, this is the movie that it all started to click. And he knew what he could do. And then he was off to the races. Like, he could do anything, right? Yeah. Because he does everything in that movie.
1: Yeah, like he came in in the movie kind of forced out of his comfort zone and then he he found out that uh he was capable to do these things that maybe he didn't think he was capable of yes of doing it gave yes. the confidence to kind of you know take those sorts of chances going forward is that right is and, that what I'm... and then
2: you read about like so um in the movie uh he and birdie he is those teeth that he's missing he knocked three of his teeth out mm-hmm. because the the guy that he took a you know, mortar fire or bomb or explosion there in the when he was in Vietnam in the movie. Yeah. So Cage was like, well, he took it to the face, so he's going to be missing teeth. So Cage knocked three of his teeth out and let his face swell up, and then he couldn't eat. Like, he wouldn't be able to eat, so that's why he lost the 15 pounds to get into that character. And then yeah. for six weeks, he slept in those bandages. He would never take them off, and if he woke up and he was on the injured side, yeah, he'd be like, no, that's my sore side. So he did all of this to prepare for, so when he he goes, when I went and played that part... I was that part, you know.
1: So that, I mean, um, I'll let you figure out where we take this, but, I mean, he's been described as a, a method actor, right? And I I, I, I think, think that's
2: unfair at times, but yeah.
1: You think that's a criticism, to, like to say he's a method actor? Well, I,
2: he's, I don't like when people think that's all he is is a method actor um, because he's far more than, than that. I mean, he...
1: I mean, to me, it tells me, to me... Calling somebody a method actor, and I don't know anything about yeah. <laughs> about well, no, acting, but like neither um, do I. my understanding is that it's kind of the the um, preparation they do for the role, the commitment to the role, and it's staying in character even when the camera's not rolling, in, in order right. to kind of be if in you, that headspace yeah. for yeah okay
2: okay if you look for, at it that way so I don't
1: look at that like negatively a, 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 no I and think, I'm not uh, saying
2: negatively negatively but uh, yeah I guess you're right he would be in the truest form of the word
1: because I read so I read like. He did he he pulled his own teeth out right yeah because his character had, had you know uh
2: in vietnam he had taken some fire like split explosion like a mortar that yeah, exploded mortar that explode, yeah. but
1: i heard it was not just for the look but that he actually wanted to feel the pain
2: yes and lose the weight, not be able to eat, and yeah. Well, I
1: think my, I guess with the weight loss, like to me in, in that movie, he's he's pretty ripped.
2: Well, at first, right, until he, until that happens, remember? Then he's yeah, I guess, yeah.
1: As he, as he, yeah, he kind of atrophies a little bit. But yeah, a little Because he plays the high school wrestler. Yeah. And he's, he's pretty cut, like, oh, dude, pretty yeah. jacked he's, in that yeah, he's movie. He's jacked up
2: in that movie, yeah.
1: Um, And I, I think to me that was, you know, I'm playing this star high school wrestler, I need to look the part. But then reading about how he yanked his teeth out, and that was um, almost more about uh, feeling the pain because mm-hmm. his character was in mm-hmm. pain, and so he could uh, bring that to the to the, character. To the performance. Right. Um, so to me, I mean, that's maybe his first uh, first time like dabbling in, um, uh, you know, method yes. method acting. And yes. I think there are other examples. You're right. I
2: don't. I, I was thinking of another term, um, maybe character actor is what I was thinking of because you know, oh, a lot maybe. of people will refer to him as like he's a he's
1: a leading man no. to, to,
2: he can be right he can he be can, everything he, he can be sure, funny he can sure. be a leading man but to your point to the method acting and and a couple quick stories on that is like for example ghost rider right mm-hmm. the first ghost rider
0: yep
2: it's when he was uh ghost rider uh not johnny yeah when he was ghost rider you know that's all CGI, right? Yeah. Well, he made them paint his face as some hand-selected voodoo skull that he loves, and so when he was ghostwriter, yeah, he they made him put him in full face stuff. Okay. So when he saw him, he could he could channel
1: Feel more what like... it would
2: be. Right, right. And people laugh at that. I remember when that you know people were reading that and like what a what, what I'm like, no, that, that's like
1: well, it's like uh, <laughs> it's genius. It it is genius and um you know uh, you hear these stories about these actors like uh, who go method like Daniel Day-Lewis like talking like Abraham Lincoln when he's 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 off off camera
2: or Heath Ledger you know or Heath Ledger and how
1: it seems to rub rub certain people on set or whatever the, the wrong way and um you know, like I said, I don't, I don't know anything about, thing about acting. I never have acted. You know, never was even interested in acting in high school or or whatever. So I don't know what to make of that in terms of a, a technique or whatever. But the way I look at it is, it can't hurt, right? It can't. If well, that I, helps, I feel him... like
2: that's the only like that. And again, that's why I keep feeding love for this guy is because if I was an actor, yeah, that are you kidding me? I
1: would. You're trying to get uh, into that headspace.
2: I want to become that person. Right. 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 So because I... so when I'm on set. I can't just turn off the emotions and turn you're, you're you're basically. And that, again, that's like the same thing. It's why I love David Bowie. Like they create these personalities that are larger than life to get them out of reality, be able to perform the professional work that they need to perform. Right. You know, and give everything they have all their creativity.
1: Yeah. Um, so he, I mean, a little bit more on him being a, a method actor and I, I don't let me derail us, you know, no, no, this, I think this is end. just
2: going to go where it's going to go, man.
1: Um, like for all of his, you know, action movies, the kind of the trifecta of The Rock and Con Air and Face Off. Like even in those movies, uh, he learned jujitsu. You know, yeah, so he, he still
2: does practice jujitsu. Yeah, in and, fact, he just came out with that movie called Jujitsu. Oh right.
1: right, see that one was not on my my radar. Yeah, um, or like Joe, the other one in the the list of three that you had me he mm-hmm. read. Apparently, you know. He, he felt like the character Joe was a guy that would eat a lot of red meat and steaks, and at one point you see him kind of um, carving, that deer, carving up. that deer up. So mm-hmm. I guess he ate a bunch of red meat and steaks and put on this bunch of weight, and then, you know, and I guess in Captain Corelli's Mandolin, and I I don't think I ever saw that one. Yeah, but it's, it's one of my and, least and favorite This ones. is something kind I of read. It might not be true that he learned how to play mandolin for Captain Corelli's it, Mandolin. It would not surprise me. I, I um, can't
2: confirm that, but it would not surprise me. Yeah. That's the type of dude that he is, you know?
1: Yeah, so to me, I mean... Again, I don't see maybe it doesn't help, but I don't see how it could hurt. I, you know, I don't yeah, I mean, I think getting... it just depends
2: on who I mean how how you want to take things, who you are, you yeah, know? I mean, it, to me, that shows extreme dedication and professionalism, despite others thinking not because you I mean, and especially that but I think that's why he gives such memorable performances because he you know, and you can tell like what's funny is a lot of the bigger name movies that people like, um like you know it could happen to you or um honeymoon in vegas that those type right. like those ones i'm okay with but like you can tell at times like he's mailing it in because he has to mail it it's not that he's mailing it in but he's mailing it in because he has to mail it in the role calls for it correct yeah and and, and I, that is so like hard he, to can, do. he like,
1: can dial it up to 11 but it would re- be ridiculous in this role if he took it past five or six like right 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 and I mean, he
2: can play a nerd he can play a jock he can play you know a badass. He can play a weakling. He can play a lunatic. Yeah. Uh, a leading man. I mean, he it, the the range is it's incredible a, across his whole body of work. And that's you know of course if you're a giant fan like I am then you're you're like well are you crazy why would you but as I've gotten older and you kind of you lose that part of your personality a little bit now I just am like hey just like my whole thing is like uh, if if you were someone else and you just wanted one I'd be like and and they're talking like oh he's not that good I'm like go go check out Joe. Like that's my late go-to one. I'm like, go check out Joe yeah. and tell me that guy can't act the way that they think actors should act, right? Because most people think that that kind of performance, that's acting. You In know. Joe. Yeah, like that.
1: Yeah, kind he of, was pretty restrained.
2: For him, yes. For, yeah, very restrained. But if anybody for else would have given that performance, Oscar nominated. Do You see, he's almost jinxed himself by being as good as he is. Yeah. And it's a shame because there's a lot of like adaptation. I mean, I know he was nominated for that. Yeah. Um, but, like, Joe, he should have been nominated for an Oscar for that. Uh, but there's a lot of movies and great actors and stuff. But what I'm saying is, his, his one, like, oh, you know, people be like, oh, Leaving Las Vegas, you know, yeah. Oh, he played a drunk. Like, he got an Oscar for playing a drunk. Like, how hard is that? I'm like, have you seen it? Like, have you seen what he, you know? And, the, and then apparently, Jim Carrey. See, Jim Carrey wanted him to be in Dumb and Dumber with him. Oh, I didn't know that. And Nicolas Cage told him no, I can't do it because I've got this independent film leaving Las Vegas that yeah. I really am into the script and so then he was like, "Oh, well the rumor is and I don't know if this is true because I've never heard uh, either one confirm or deny, but apparently they would take turns getting drunk and filming each other." And then Cage watched the footage of himself drunk and Jim Carrey drunk, who was probably a lot more animated, right? Yeah. And that is how he
1: in preparation, came for, in leaving preparation
2: Las- for Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah.
1: So I mean that's um you know another example of uh, going going method. Uh, I heard he hired a uh, a drinking coach,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and uh, that it was uh, this guy that the family knew, the Coppola family knew, who was a you know a, a poet who was like an alcoholic, and he just kind of he watched this guy and um, and he
2: talked about his experiences, was kind of telling like act like do this do that.
1: Yeah, and I guess yeah. some of the lines that some of the, the the things that came out of this guy's mouth when he was. He was hammered drunk, Nicolas Cage incorporated into the to the movie in, into the movie the whole uh, what well, was the in whole last thing Yes that he said um, that uh. he, he lifted from this guy. <laughs> um, and then I, I think uh, he wanted he wanted to know if he could uh, be drunk the entire shoot. And they basically told him, no, that that would be being drunk the entire time would make you too erratic and too unpredictable. Right. And we have a very tight schedule. And I think they filmed that whole movie in like twenty eight days.
2: Yeah, it was under a month.
1: Um, but it sounds like based on some interviews that he gave that there were certain scenes where he He got it. he got yes. hammered. Like yes. um, um the scene where they're in the casino and he flips over the table. I saw an interview where he said he was like blackout drunk and he doesn't even remember doing that and he didn't necessarily intend to take it in that direction. That's just kind of where where it went. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, just another example of uh yeah,
2: dedication man and and yeah. then, but then, so, then, there's another level of him that I think, like I would say, people that are like die hard cage fans, we probably all share like a common bond of just weirdness, so like it things that he does that I notice instantly, yeah, little bitty things, like excite me, and I know that he like that's him you know that's him be like bringing him like this is what I'm going to bring to the role you know this yeah. is what I'm going to do this because this the ca- is just the cageness, the
1: way, if you will Yeah like
2: this is just the way that I feel yeah. it, like for example in, in Bad Lieutenant like <laughs> I don't know if you read any background on that but that that's a fantastic uh, there, there's a lot of good behind the scenes stuff there but the the main thing and I knew it right when I saw it is when I saw him with that gun just tucked <laughs> ridiculously. Oh it was like hanging out of his
1: pants. I, it was like this big revolver. <laughs> yes. that and I was like
2: <laughs> trust me <laughs> He did that. Yeah. That uh, he did that and he they probably didn't want him to do it and he fought him and was like... Because yeah. you read this story time and time again where he's like, No, this is what this character would do and to be honest, when you watch that whole movie, yeah, probably something that character would do. And oh, his mental state. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, I thought I thought that the uh, the gun uh, just kinda dangling there from his 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 weight the waist of his pants was like <laughs> the cherry on top in terms of like his his oh character. God, um
2: that, that 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 is And there's my there's
1: scenes in that movie I want to talk to you about. Yeah, I, like I wanna
2: Well just so you know, that is my I think if I had to be honest with myself, that is my all time one hundred percent number one favorite Nicolas Cage performance. Okay. Not my favorite Nicolas Cage movie.
1: Well, let's
2: but my favorite Nicolas Cage performance.
1: Let's <laughs> get there, because that's probably the one I have the most notes right. notes about. Well, that's the but most before interesting thing. And this three is even. maybe a good lead into that. Like, do you want to talk about his his acting style like if you had to characterize it uh, you know his uh, his cageness
2: So his cageness to me is a combination of clearly um, you know his tastes and his unique way of view of the world um, because like that's the other thing is like I don't really the other reason I like him is I don't really know who Nicholas Cage is as a person right. But that's why I love him. I don't want to know. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't. That, that, that's what makes me. You want to get lost mysterious. in the character that
1: he's he's playing. Right. Yeah.
2: And and so, um. That is always an interesting way to for me to to, to look at him because he's this this complete. To me, he is a walking, living, breathing piece of art. Yeah. You it's interpret like, him however you want to interpret him. Yeah, and,
1: like Sean Penn has said that he's. Uh, he's transcended acting that he's he's become at this point he's become more of a performer than an actor
2: well and, and he'll he, there there was a uh, I forget what movie he was doing a um, interview with and he was comp- he, he looked drunk or he hadn't slept in several days and he's just pale and sweaty and he's at this interview you know and they're like you know a lot of people uh, you know say that you know you go over the line and he just cut him off and he's like line i'll tell you something he's like i made the line (laughs) he's like i'll show you where the line is you know and then they the next he was so he was surly and then they asked him about his acting and he was like it's not even acting anymore i just am be it's just me i'm just being i'm just you know so it confirms everything that i think he was afraid to say all along but now he's old enough to where he's like i'm a lunatic yeah like I mean, I honestly believe that he's mentally ill, and I don't mean that in a bad way. But I think that that's what allows him to. I think that he has to act to not completely. Like I think that he's just insane walking among us, right? Yeah. But he channels it, much like a lot of musicians. He channels it into acting, and that's why he's all. He love. I guarantee you, he loves taking all these crappy roles because he's just constantly. It's a. It's. It's like you said. It's beyond acting with him now. He's. Ju- he has to do it to live and he doesn't care about the story he doesn't he's just going to take some boring script that most actors back i'm not doing that crap and he's like you know doing whatever he needs to do to be like this is what that character is and i'm going to knock it out of the park and i'm going to make this pile of crap bearable
1: do you think that's why he's working less in mainstream uh films because um he's he's not gonna kind of toe the line he's not gonna necessarily do it the way that you know uh the director intended or envisioned for that that character that he's gonna
2: you know I would I would I don't think that's the reason and the only reason that that I don't think that is I think what's happened is he had to do these movies for money um, because he was in I mean the guy pissed away 150 million dollars and over the last 10 years he's built it back up to like 25 million
1: okay so So it's like a volume thing he's just trying to take as much on as he
2: he well, can, I think that's what happened at the beginning, and because he had to, right? You do, you desperate. But then I think that he has embraced this. Yeah. And he is able to completely do things that he even he could not do on a grand stage. Yeah. And just is having fun, man. I mean...
1: So do you... Okay, let me make it... I, I let, think that let me he's going to...
2: He will have some movies, though, that come back into the... But trust me, you haven't seen the last of him... In big box office films, I have a feeling that in the next like two to five years, like before he hits into his 60s, I think he's going to have some role that hits in a movie and it kind of brings him back and he'll have this kind of run of getting himself set back for serious roles because let's face it, in 10 years when he's 67 or he's not going to be able to, you know, do the action, do the, to, to all the time. So he's going to, I think he'll, you'll see him kind of come back down and do more of the, either that or he'll just get completely weird and drift off
1: into some other universe <laughs> so okay so he your your theory at least is that he he started doing these kind of like these b movies um you know straight to to video movies because out of necessity right because yes. he he blew all this money mm-hmm. but then at some point he realized like he was really in his element yes. doing these sorts of roles yes it was an artistic uh, uh form of expression that it yes. was a form of artistic expression that resonated with him or that he you know he thought he could thrive in yes um,
2: and he knew he would constantly work because anyone that has some low budget film that can get Nicholas K take Kidd, a big you're, star you're, well you're gonna you're gonna get your film out there and then when you meet the guy and and they know he's dedicated right so they're like I mean, even though this movie's kind of crappy, if we can get like a cool up-and-coming director to make it look cool, and we throw Cage in there and let him just do his thing, right? Because trust me, these these small-time directors aren't. If he has a really good idea, they're not gonna they're gonna let him be Cage because the with... whole reason people are even gonna watch your movie, <laughs> right, is because you know what I'm saying, right?
1: So, um, so I'm gonna just throw out, I guess, a few, um, I guess some ways I would characterize his 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 acting, right? Like, oh wait, you
2: asked. I'm sorry. The very the thing that led to that is uh it, he's a little bit of Elvis which he loves Elvis Presley yeah uh, which I do not which is funny because
1: in terms of like the flamboyance you think or showmanship or everything okay. just
2: the the look the coolness the the showmanship you know and and so that's kind of his like um that kind of like rock and roll edge that he has a yeah. little bit you know and yeah. then he also i I see a lot of um in is a lot of Humphrey Bogart type um film noir kind of real serious kind of so you like mix that with the the elvis and then the other part of him is just this like alien yeah like uh like a uh you know very european experimental like you know like almost like almost like wildlife like he brings like a really primate uh feel to his yeah. roles as well Okay. So sorry, you that was the that was the question you asked me, and we got off. That's tangent. all right. So, no, but that's I wanted okay. to bring it back because that reminded me. I'm sorry.
1: So like, I guess what I would say is, what he's probably most known for is like these manic outbursts, right? Where he goes from this very controlled mm-hmm. performance, mm-hmm. and then out of nowhere, just like dials it up and just kind of flips out. Right. Um, and he's, a, I guess, been accused of like overacting or mm-hmm. like exa- exaggerating.
2: Um, but how can you overact? Like, I've never understood that. It's acting, right? So it's however you interpret your role. Right. So how can you overact when you're acting to begin with? It's
1: crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he, um, I mean, with him, there's, to me, like, a certain level of fearlessness where he will just go anywhere. That's he'll his go real any, name, He'll dude. go anywhere. He, he's... He'll take a performance, you know, anywhere uh, without regard to i don't know like what people are gonna
2: in regard to anything that that's what i'm talking about there that he is there will never be another Nicolas cage he is the most fearless risk-taking actor yeah and he doesn't care like there's no he he doesn't care he's doing what he thinks that he should be doing for that particular role and if you don't like it guess what great you know yeah. I mean, he, he's this, that, he, it's, it's like, that's what I try to say is it's, he's not just my favorite actor, he's probably my favorite person, and it's because like, you know, in all of us, you want to just let your freak flag fly, yeah. and, and, and I think that I do a pretty good job of not caring, but I'm, I will fully admit, I can't be what I really want to be, right, because people would lock me up, right, even though I'd be complete control, but it's just like. I'd love to be this, some days you go out and you're just like this flamboyant, right. just messing with people, or you're like a tough guy, or you're like, so like you see like you him. You got
1: the, the superego, you know, shut yeah. shutting you down, making sure you stay in line. Well,
2: like reality, right? So like, and I don't right. have a vehicle to be unrealistic, like he, Bowie, people like that. So like, I gravitate towards people like that, and then you take him, and I put him even further, because, you know, the cojones that that guy has are... I mean, that takes big balls to do... What he does. What he does. Yeah. And that's why I get offended when people make fun of... I mean, I let people make fun of, I don't. I'm not like, oh, I'm never talking to that person. But when I hear people talk about Cage... Yeah. I usually don't interject myself into the conversation too much. Or even if people know that I like Cage, they yeah. always want to talk Cage. And I don't want to talk Cage. Because, like, I'm not going to put myself in a position to... Go down this weird, corny road of either you trying to bait me into you know making fun of him or making fun of me or whatever. It's like he ele- he transcends and elevates. Like he's in a he's in a, a different on a different planet. Yeah. As a, as a being, <laughs> whatever he is, you know. So, so I think that that so I just love that.
1: When he's when he's been asked to describe his own acting style, um, he said use words like German expressionism mm-hmm. or Western Kabuki. Mm-hmm um my favorite though is that he said um it's nouveau shamanic and uh to me that's like him That's saying, the best description nouveau shamanic yes. like he's a vessel for some sort of spiritual yes. endeavor he's he's channeling something primal yes. right he's just a he's just a vehicle for right for it right. um completely um you know un, unfettered um by you know really anything the the restraints of ego or or whatever he just he just putting him putting it out there in raw form
2: yes and you you have your brain take it however you want to take it
1: do you equate that with like honesty or you know capital t truth like when somebody um delivers a performance like that that is just uh so raw and so uh fearless i mean mm-hmm. um do you think that, that that represents like proximity to to truth for you and, and that's what you like about it? Is yeah that... well he
2: he is even though he's quote-unquote acting he's not like he it, it, it's he is legitimately like i said he's a he's a living breathing piece of art and he just is he he just does, and, and the way that he acts, and the things that he does, and yeah, he has, like, and he knows that. There's typical things that people expect, and I think sometimes he overdoes that just to be kind of like, even when people are like, oh, you're overacting, like, he's like, okay, y'all, I'll show you what you want to see overacting, you know, and he just, he just allows it to, to happen, and a lot I think a lot of what he does is so spontaneous, yeah and when you let him be spontaneous, in fact, we'll, when we talk about Bad Lieutenant a little bit, I'll, I got some stories about that movie, but... That's the thing, man. If you're if you're getting Cage as a director, you just got to let you got to be willing to let Cage be Cage. Right. And there's some things that you're not gonna like, and you've heard stories time and time again where they hated it, but then when they put it all together, they were like, oh my God, like that, that. We have something here. Yeah, that's yeah. why it works because of here these things we to thought were stupid.
1: Wrangle this feral animal.
2: <laughs> because he has the vision, like so he the, he can see the character from start to end bad lieutenant is another yeah, going to keep going back to that. Yeah. And so you let him do what he's doing to get to that point and then when you edit it and you put it all together you understand like
1: oh do you think he ru- does he run the risk of becoming a caricature of himself in the same way that like in recent years like Christopher Walken, you know, has become almost a caricature of 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 himself um, where you know he's sort of the you know the the weirdo uh Walken. And I'm not I'm not equating those to their style or anything. I'm I'm no, speaking. No, that's, a, that's to the, a good point. I think that, that, but I think that become, has already
2: happened to him. I do think you think that, there's
1: a da- a danger in that where like um, that like he's trying to play up to the expectations um, for himself um, as opposed to because to me that's where you kind of you start um, veering away from delivering a truthful performance. Is like when you're. You realize that people um, want you to be this thing, and so you're trying to 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 act.
2: see, to, but I think I think it's thing. I think it's backwards with him. I think people have created him into this thing and And when you only know of, you know whatever whatever performance someone's talking about, but then you go and you see him do something, you know, what, seven years ago, like Joe or some of the, like, that's why I don't think that's the case, because I think that he has fun, and I think sometimes, like, if he's bored and in a weird headspace, I think that he does do some roles, and he just completely cages out to just kind of... It's just like a troll.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, I mean, he is human, right? Yeah. I think. And, yeah. and so there's a little bit of... But I think at the end of the day, I think every day that guy wakes up and is just like... I'm gonna do what Nicolas Cage feels like doing today, whether it's when he's not acting or acting. I don't think that there's a plan. I don't think that he has a long-term vision. Right. I think that he just exists in every moment.
1: Yeah. That's. Uh,
2: he's a strange dude, man.
1: I mean, that's like what, you know. And that's and, real, right? And so East, that's Eastern philosophy. That's like like living living life in accordance with the way. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah.
2: <laughs> T- totally. So so maybe that maybe the headspace that he is when he's filming one of those movies is he's mad, he's upset, he's cranky, you know? Well, then, so he probably channels that into whatever he's doing. Yeah. And maybe maybe he is just full of rage on <laughs> at that particular time, so that particular performance was extra, you know, quote-unquote cagey. Right. So, I don't know.
1: Um, so, a couple more things. Just um, uh, David Lynch, who, mm-hmm. you know, you either like David Lynch films David or, Lynch. or you don't. and I, I do, some more than others, but... He called uh, Nick Cage the jazz musician of American acting. <laughs> um, and then. Uh, that's perfect. Yeah, I mentioned Sean Penn said you know he's not really an actor so much as a performer anymore. Um, Ethan Hawke said he's the only person doing anything new since like Brando with with the art form. Ethan Hawke,
2: uh, he idolizes that man. I mean, there that's like his number one. So any when you said Ethan Hawke, I'm like I know that's gonna be positive because he yeah. says that he's just like. You can make fun of him and do whatever you want to. He's like, "The dude is untouchable,
1: like, yeah, he seems to be very very high regarded by uh, by his peers, I mean, despite the you know the the films he's made right. as of late um, right that you know haven't been is is notable um and then, like, in terms of the characters that he plays, like I think what part of what makes him so fearless is that he takes he takes on these roles of like grotesque people or. Mm-hmm. really depraved
2: mm-hmm.
0: or
1: just dis- despicable people um
2: but 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 don't you agree to and and it's funny that you're hitting on all that because that's why my wife doesn't necessarily care for him she only likes certain things and she get like you know she watched bad lieutenant with me, and she's just and I love and she's just like <laughs> shaking her head time. yeah me. and and but she doesn't understand like you know a lot of people then put that view on him like he must just some be some seedy weird but i think that like he he takes that on because it's challenging yeah it's taboo it's interesting it's difficult to make it real you know and that the crazy thing about him is man there's certain times where like that bad lieutenant character like if 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 you and i knew that character pre-becoming a drug addict yeah and you can imagine a cop and you i mean you you find me somebody else who can who the 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 walk the way he talks, like with the pills when they take over, all the little oh, yeah. subtle things that he does in that Gets movie. Gets progressively
1: worse as the movie goes on. His his. Voice, find me,
2: find me someone else that would have given that performance just as good in that role. There's not one. No. There's not.
1: So. Uh, you think people equate the characters he plays with a man himself, and that that's why maybe people have a negative feeling.
2: Um, uh, I do about think a lot guy. of yeah, I do think a lot of people don't give him a chance if they see you know him in, in the or like you know like, Wild at Heart. You know, um, well, Peggy Sue got married, you know, the little voice that he puts and and like, yeah, they, they don't, they don't understand that. And they're already like just put off by that. But if you take, if you, it's, it's perfect, like, because it adds something unique and in real life, like, right. We look for unique people. Sure. So like when they're like, I mean, we all know lunatics like that, you know, that, that are just. They just exist and do what they want to do with zero regard to anyone else, sure. you know. And but but you're drawn to people like that because. Well, I think what he does real. too
1: is he makes you empathize with those characters as well. I mean, they yeah. they are, he pl- he plays some pretty you know depraved souls and yep. um, you know, or folks that are difficult to sympathize with, or you know, uh, folks are just super neurotic or you know have OCD or or whatever,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, you're able. Um, despite maybe how despicable they are at times. He, he really he always, does
2: a good job of humanizing He does. He,
1: he does. As far as, like, his willingness to take on those roles or his attraction towards those types of roles specifically, you know, maybe um, he, he comes from... He's a Coppola, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he comes from this family with, like, money, and they're very cultured and sophisticated people. And so maybe, like, he wants... He, he's attracted to the opposite of that
2: like, yeah like he, well, I, I, he wants I, yeah. to play
1: these downtrodden kind of people mm-hmm. um the other thing i've noticed kind of a, a through line not all of his movies but a lot of his films he he plays like the the reluctant hero uh looking out for like the downtrodden person and i think in all the three all three movies that you gave me to watch that's the case like in birdie looking out for his friend birdie um you know,
2: Reluctantly, tra- but he has a heart and he fights it. And yeah,
1: yeah. But he's he's trying to to get him. Um, you know, uh, the birdie character goes missing. He's traumatized by his experience in Vietnam, and so he goes into this like dissociative state. And like he try he tries to to get him to snap out of that. Right. He's, mm-hmm. So in that movie, he's, you know, he's even though he's uh, <laughs> you, you know, um, not the traditional hero. He's no. he's 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 still. You know looking out for somebody that's maybe even a little bit more downtrodden than than him and then in uh you know port a call uh uh the bad lieutenant port call movie you know the five uh immigrants get get murdered and he's got to solve that case and there's a point in the movie where you think he's kind of flipped and and you know changed sides so to speak but turns out not not to be the case and he's like uh
2: well he also did it for selfish reasons too like, well
1: yeah he yeah. he did yeah but he's
2: still well that's the great thing about bad lieutenant is like he's still a fucking cop oops, sorry, should have said the F word there, but he's he's still <laughs> a cop. Right. And he is still doing his job while he's completely whacked out of his mind, you know, on drugs. Yeah. Because that's what he is, right? That's yeah that's who he is and that's that's what's going on. And even though he did some horrible things
1: yeah he's got it, 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 it's, it's like like
2: at the end of it you think it's all crazy it all wraps up the like, way it all he's, comes he's,
1: together yeah. yeah yeah it's like he's he plays these characters that have some sort of code
2: well and he still had morality to a degree at well, least that's what I'm in terms yeah. of the no investigation, matter how much right? he
1: strays from the code he always yes. kind of comes back yes. back to it and uh like you know in joe again uh He's trying to keep himself out of trouble in that movie because of his past run ins with the law. Um, but he sees his kid and what's happening to this kid and he he allows himself to get involved despite maybe his uh, Well he didn't
2: want to, right? No, not at all.
1: So and I don't know, I just I look at those three movies and I can probably name some examples I, I won't. He just he um he plays these like unconventional kind of heroes some much more unconventional mm-hmm. than others well
2: and he looks unconventional he too looks so unconventional,
1: he looks unconventional and yeah
2: and he and, fits that weird like like the fact that he exists and pulls off what he does is crazy to me yeah he's just this strange looking strange acting but but like it all works to create this unique like powerful at times very powerful like that bad lieutenant yeah I mean that's one where the the it, it, it's his performance is incredible but at the same time Werner Herzog Werner Herzog who is a a fellow just lunatic yeah but I love the just the stuff that you know like the iguanas and the weirds I love that stuff because that's just organic right yeah and I'm gonna work that in like I mean he was hell bent. I mean he cut scenes out to, to, to put those iguanas in it wasn't originally in the you know that whole movie I don't know if you read a little bit on that is it was a, you know an old police writer that had done police television shows okay uh, had this script and then Herzog got it and got Cage and then he went in there and to make a long story short there's all these this stuff he talks about that he hated and they were ruining his work and the iguanas and then like the scene where Cage is in the car with uh uh you can almost tell it was completely ad-lib exhibit big fate yeah big fate yeah and he's sitting there and he wants he wants his money because he owes his bookies
1: I wrote down the quote I wrote down the quote. Well, you want to do it?
2: What are you? Are you? Are you talking about where he's like, where he pulls the gun out and he's like, I'll kill you all.
1: I'll kill you all to the break Break of of dawn. dawn. To the break of dawn. To the break of dawn, baby.
2: (laughs) And right before he says that, look at his face, because he know it just popped into his head. And then watch exhibits reaction. That's
1: the spontaneity you're talking about.
2: But then they keep it right. Warner, Warner Horzog was
1: smart, wise enough to yeah.
2: And you let, because he, Well, it's he, like
1: when he flipped that table in uh, Leaving Las Vegas. Yes. He said he didn't know he was going to no. do that, but it was, no. uh, yeah.
2: But And then, like, so he does that whole break of dawn, and, I mean, that whole thing was completely ad-libbed. And you can see it happening, like, right when he, you can see he's just driving. Yeah. He kind of looks over, and all of a sudden you can see it, and you're like, this is going to be really good. And he's like, to break of dawn, <laughs> baby! You know, and then Exhibit is just laughing, and then Cage then realizes that he just had a real funny moment, right? But then he instantly goes back in and turns it into that maniacal laugh that the character would have because he's whacked out of his mind. Yeah. And bring it, it, there was an out, cut an out or an outtake that just became one of the best. Yeah. I think the second best. The, the first best is obviously the grandmother. Wing.
1: Yeah, so let's let's talk about that scene. Cause, so and. Uh, so now we're
2: going to go into Bad Lieutenant a little bit. Yeah. Because you have to. Yeah. It's such a strange, interesting scene great movie
1: yeah so he's he's shaken down um you know not the old lady so much at the nursing home but but her her nurse right she's mm-hmm. at this like high-end nursing home um this old older older woman but her her well, i think ner-
2: she's at her house is that her house yeah i think it's i think it's just because it's they're down in louisiana down south that's her house because okay. her grandson climbs up in the window and he okay and i think that's her hired her that hired makes care. more yeah. sense now
1: yeah, yeah. okay yeah so, yeah, she's got this this nurse attending to her because uh, she's, you know, old and infirm. I think the nurse's name is, is Benny, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the nurse's grandson is the only witness in this uh, quintuple homicide, right?
2: Right, and he knows he, the drug dealers because I think he's selling drugs for everyone just to get some money.
1: Right, and, uh, you know, Nick Cage uh, had this witness, you know... Not in his custody. and That's not the right word, because the kid wasn't under arrest. But he, he was keeping an eye on this kid. And the kid, uh, the kid, uh, when they're at a casino, takes off, right? Right. And so now he can't. He can't find the kid. So just, and this is just me setting it up a little bit. So he goes to confront um, the nurse, right, who's there with uh, the older lady that she's caring for. And do you want, do you want to describe what happened? Well, so he does it
2: twice. So like the first one, he goes in there and. He he! I love first of all in both scenes he's behind the door hiding. Yeah, so I want to talk about I and, want to
1: talk about that specifically. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. So, you know, they they cut to uh, the 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 old woman and her nurse, you know, pushing her in the wheelchair in, into a room, and then he's just. Hanging there in the as
2: she shuts the door. As she
1: shuts the door, you see you see him in the corner behind the just door, just lurking,
2: all sweaty just, and just pale. Just lurking,
1: sweating, and he's <laughs> he's got an electric shaver, <laughs> right? And
2: he's so. But what, you, know you know think? that's ad libbed. I know that it has to be, but so that was my question. Is of his, course it is. That was okay. his idea. Think about it though. Like it was genius because if you were whacked out of your mind on drugs all the time, I mean, he probably grabbed him and just. I mean, it was it was a beautiful. Yeah add
1: yeah you know and at I that point that he's that the point. movie he's way whacked out on drugs we've seen him do like every he, yeah, pretty much every drug and he's i think uh uh hasn't slept very much no, no, and no he's, and in, he's got all these, excruciating these pain these uh you know different forces bearing down on him you know his uh,
2: girlfriend's a prostitute his dad's a recovering alcoholic but
1: like uh, uh you know his, his
2: partner is
1: He's Losing got, faith in him. He's got a bookie after him for his gambling Correct, debt. Of the he's got problems. the you know his employer, the police department, bearing down on him. Now and, he's in the
2: middle of a drug. Thinking his a partner has a partnership with right. a, a drug so, king. So he's
1: just you know, he's and to me the iguanas that they show a few times in that movie, it's like. Is he hallucinating? Yes. Is he hallucinating yeah. that? Yeah, he's hallucinating. Because uh, there's one point where it looks like he sees him when they're on that stakeout and nobody else in the room right. sees
2: him. Well, nobody other... ever sees him, remember? Except for him. All... Except for him. Except for him, yeah. Okay, so I, he's like the... Val I like, took that no the same way the as cool. you. Yeah, oh no, it's a total...
1: So he's lurking behind this door with this electric razor, just, you know, looking whacked out, <laughs> which is maybe one of the most shocking just frames of the movie, just seeing him standing there with the shaver behind... But go ahead and describe. I guess what happened. So happens. on the second Next.
2: meeting, you know, on the first meeting he's trying to find the grandson. He brings the grandson in. On the second meeting, he goes back again because he knows the grandson's going back there because his grandma. Yeah. And that old lady's on oxygen, <laughs> uh, and he he comes in and and the the grandmother um, is not giving any information, and the old lady that she is caring for starts getting lippy with Cage. And the next thing you know, he has pulled her oxygen out of her nose and he's kinking it up. Right. And he says uh, horrible things to her, you know, calls her the C word and and whatnot. Um, And and my favorite part of that scene, though, that I guarantee you is another (laughs) ad is when he finally lets the oxygen go after he gets the information that he needs. Yeah. He lets it go and he puts it back up in her nose and it falls out. And he very gently, (laughs) like nicely pushes it, (laughs) fixes it back into her nose where I'm like, total cage thing to do. Again, back to your point, like. There's still a little bit of humanity, no matter how bad his character He has this weird...
1: I remember seeing that scene the first time, when it gets to that point in the movie, and thinking, like, am I supposed to take this serious, or is this parody? It's It's so absurd it? and so over it, right? the, the top. Um, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, this, but this, let me ask this, you this poor question. old woman has done nothing wrong. Her nurse has no. done nothing, nothing wrong. The nurse is just trying to protect her grandson, who's the only witness Right. To, you know... And, you know,
2: but if you're a drugged should, out police officer, could you not see a drugged out police officers doing that in his state of mind?
1: Well, yeah, obviously he was a crazed, a crazed yeah. lunatic at that, yeah. at that point in the movie. <laughs> but, um, so there's, so that, is that your, your favorite scene and the most yeah, memorable scene most in that, memorable in that scene, movie? And then, the, and
2: then the, 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 number two is probably the car. And then number three is where, and another, it was another cage ad lib where he tells them, you know, uh, he goes, you know. Shoot him again. His soul's still dancing. Yes. Yeah. And then they interpreted that break dance. Like that was another great scene where the, the the soul's like break dancing and then he shoots it. Right. And they all just kind of look at each other. And I I heard that he, he had ad libbed that. Yeah. He had that idea. And then they put it. it was fan it was fantastic.
1: And there's a there's a scene of the iguana right after that. Yeah, that runs it, like, across from leaves. the iguana's perspective, like down yeah. on the floor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um,
2: yeah, man. It. His his whole like. From the beginning to the end where, like, you could tell, like, his back pain was worse. Yeah. And he was, well, I mean, he, and he, it was progressive. And then as, at, whenever he was on pills, he started doing the pill, you know, talking like you. I mean, it was just.
1: Yeah, his voice got a lot more nasally as the movie moved on. To, yes. To the point where, yeah, I.
2: He, he was he, just doing everything to keep everything. Because he was just so whacked out on pills, crack, heroin. Yeah. And to me, I mean, I don't know how, how people act you know when you're on all those different drugs but i feel like that was a pretty good representation at least of how you think someone would act
1: he was pale he looks he was like sickly looking he was sweating and
2: and he kept i loved how he kept fixing his nasty hair he was always doing doing this you know it's like and that's cage like that's the and that's the little weird stuff that i noticed that i'm like dude you don't even realize he's knocking it out of the park by just Fidgeting with his hair.
1: So I know we're not <laughs> so supposed to be talking about the movie so much as about. We Nick can talk about whatever Nick, we're talking but, about. Cage. So the, at the end there, you know, um, everything, everything comes to a happy conclusion. All the different. Well,
2: does it kind of? You well, think? Well, anyway, so
1: right? let me, Yeah, and that's where I'm going with this. Is, There's an
2: option for happiness, correct?
1: There, well, all the different threads in the movie sort of um, end in the most. Uh, the best way possible mm-hmm. to the point where it's you know
2: where it's still kind of believable um, a little bit.
1: So I mean uh, that he wins he wins the bet so he's off the hook with the 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 bookie uh, big big He kept betting fate. on
2: Louisiana and they, finally, bet, yeah, and they, they finally, finally came in yeah
1: and and the guy that uh, didn't have to cheat to. To throw the game right the guy was able to just, to just uh sit out the game right and said he was hurt said he was hurt and didn't have to throw the game right
2: um but he kind of did by sitting out
1: yeah i guess him. you can interpret it but, that way yeah. uh the the kingpin drug dealer big fate gets arrested um because
2: of it goes back like when he smoked crack with him he kept that pipe so he could place it at the scene of the crime yeah
1: exactly yeah
2: it's a genius
1: uh plants <laughs> it plants it on the scene yes. um you know, uh, Frankie is pregnant. And they're still together. Frankie is clean. He gets clean.
2: Well, um, he, he's maybe going to get clean at the end there, remember?
1: Well, so, yeah. the, the very The very last scene, you know, he goes and shakes down these two this couple coming out of the club. Right. You know, shakes them down. His to, usual MO. Like, and, he's
2: back to where he's going to be. Right, doing. Yeah. To take yeah.
1: their drugs. Yeah. And he goes to this hotel room to do the drugs. And then uh, this guy shows up with room service show, to the wrong room. And it's the guy that he saved in the very beginning of the movie. During the
2: hurricane, yes.
1: And you know that guy tells him how his whole life has changed because thanks to him thanks to you know nick cage's character yeah. um the bad lieutenant um and then they go off together to like an aquarium as they go to an aquarium right yeah. so here's my question for you is like he, he has that
2: hallucination again there
1: is well what is that so he, he looks at the guy and he says "Do fish have dreams and then, and they're sitting, he's sitting in the aquarium. I think he's sitting on his.
2: On they're a, sitting on like a curb in front of, outside the yeah. aquarium. I think, aren't they?
1: And then, right before it cuts to the credits, he looks at the screen, and and just giggles. So, right. Um, what is your what is your interpretation of that? The ending of that that movie. It could be a
2: completely abstract, like whatever you want it to believe. It could be, you know, it 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 full circle, like everything comes full circle. Like yeah. that guy ended up, he saved his life, and now he's gonna save his life. Yeah. Or I think that all of that could be a dream, a flash dream in his head, like maybe as he was drowning, like at the beginning. That's why he mentions, like, do fish have dreams? Because he was down in that water. Remember, he hurt his back. Oh, and yeah, was yeah. like, maybe, maybe, or maybe that guy's still alive and he thinks, like, he's dreaming it. I don't know. Okay. I don't get, I've never really thought about, because it's one of those deals where I just threw it off as like, I'm not going to try to dissect a, or that at the end of a Warner Herzog movie. Like, yeah. The only thing I think makes sense to most of us is like, that guy's going to help. So when he, he saved his life, and he's gonna help save his life.
1: Yeah, um, I think that's probably the most straightforward interpretation. Yeah, um,
2: but you know, there's other interpretations in the mind of. Yeah, Werner Herzog.
1: <laughs> yeah, like he, I mean, he saves that guy at the beginning, and that's where he actually gets the back injury, mm-hmm. where he starts taking the Vicodin, and then mm-hmm. that that escalates into, you know, street drugs or whatever, and then mm-hmm. it's just downward spiral. And then at the very end of the movie, he starts getting clean, everything starts going right, and gets clean. So there's that that period of just madness in the in the in the middle, which kind of feels at times like uh, there's like this heightened sense of reality to it almost mm-hmm. like or it's like it's, it's a bit surrealistic.
2: Well, the real. And... The, yeah, the, it is surreal. It's like. um But the way they convey it is they convey the reality in like the most unrealistic moments. Does that make sense? Yes. Like that's when you get the most clarity of the character is when he's at like his craziest best and they kind of pause it and they do it. And it's him. It's the way that he does it. Yeah. And that's what makes you realize. And then that's when you empathize with him. You're like, dude, this guy is so screwed up. He knows he's screwed up. He's still doing his job. He's still like, he wants to try to like stop it. Yeah. But it's almost like it took this whole experience for him to get through it. And then he sees everybody else around him kind of cleaning up. and, And then that forces him to clean up. To come around. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, I just I was just curious kinda what your yeah, no, what your take on that was. Yeah,
2: well and it's you know, another another ending is like did you, a lot of people are disappointed about it, but I love the ending of Birdie. Like it totally made it this quirky, like took it back to their childhood, like unexpected, you know yeah, you think everything he's, you think in that he's... one little I think they're both back. I think Matthew Modine's back, I think. And it's like their buddies again running and doing all the crap that they
1: It they brings did. it back full circle, right? Yes. It's one of the first things in that movie is that birdie jumps off the the roof and get gets hurt or whatever mm-hmm. and so that happens at the end and you're like oh he's done it again right but it's like no. a
2: 10 foot drop onto a building and then al yeah. of course like he did back then runs Is like birdie yeah. birdie you know and then he's like what al and yeah. then boom done end of it you know yeah so i like that little that 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 is that takes risk like it's just kind of like like city of angels is another cage and Meg and Meg Ryan, Meg
1: Ryan. I've and seen I, that you know a bunch around the time it came out I'm, I'm struggling to remember it he was the exactly. angel
2: and he falls in love with her and he come and like so they turn him into a human and then okay. she gets hit and killed by that log truck which is
1: oh yeah I yeah. stood up an
2: applause because that's real life bro like you got what you wanted and then boom she's gone and now he's stuck on earth without her yeah grass ain't always greener and then the the, the choice to have her like have that happen I love when they do that because like I hate happy endings Cause That's all you usually get. It's like that yeah. was a realistic, like, yeah, and it was like a whole dilemma. Like, it was way City of Angels is like a way gra- grander head, like to me, like mind F than what they're putting in front of your face. Like, you know, like, so you're seeing it, it's like Meg Ryan and she was the hot thing, and then Nicolas Cage was on a run, he's an angel, and this is a love story. But then there's also this whole look at just
1: there's more depth to it than yeah. at first glance, like, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah and i think have he brings back. that too to like roll like even roles that aren't meant to bring that like he's one of those dudes where he can do so much with not saying anything and that's why i can't wait for you to watch mandy
1: Yeah, and it's he barely talks i uh i wish i would have got to it before we started recording we'll have, here, we'll have to watch it but uh yeah I'll, I'll get to it i'll tell you what else i'm uh i'm excited about a couple movies he's got coming out um one I know both these are on your radar the, yeah. the unbearable weight of massive oh, talent where... you can
2: shut the world down after I see that I'm done so he's my say. understanding
1: he's playing himself yes
2: he is himself and There's Pedro like a, is playing like a, a
1: cartel yes he's playing a, a drug cartel lord, drug lord who loves Nicolas Cage loves as Nicolas much as you Cage. do
2: right and Nicolas Cage is doing all these movies and stuff for money because he needs money and this guy offers him I think they said like three million dollars yeah so come down and like does he even need to reenact
1: okay. like scenes from his top movies for well, this guy
2: so, Well well so what he does is he's supposed to go down for like his daughter's birthday party or something like that or like his party or something he pays him to like come be at some party from the way and then yeah. what ends up happening though is the CIA or the, the DEA steps in and is like hey you're gonna help us
1: Take this guy out. Take this
2: guy out. So then to psych up for this, he's he's hearkening back to like his character from face off and all this stuff. <laughs> and they were gonna get permission to like but he, so he was like, No, no, he's gonna react the scenes Yeah. Himself and they'll CGI him, I'm sure, to like make him younger. Yeah. But then there's like he's he those characters are in character are talking to him, getting him psyched up to like help take down you know. The son's <laughs> this uh
1: <life>. super meta. <laughs>
2: Dude, it's gonna be so well, it's coming out pretty soon, right? It, well, it was supposed to come out in March of this year, but I think with COVID it got pushed okay. back. So I think they're they just started filming it. Like and like um, there's a great picture online. You can see him on like the first day on set. He has a like 50s pink and white poodle palm jacket, but the whole back <laughs> emblem is Superman with like angel wings running down the back of his <laughs> sleeves, and then there's like poodles. I think at the bottom. I mean, it's just I'm gonna I'll, I'll find it. While you're okay. Prepared. It's it's fantastic.
1: And then he's also playing uh, Joe Exotic in a Tiger King movie.
2: Yeah. Well, I I think it's like a little mini series that Amazon bought, right?
1: Is it a mini series? I heard
2: it's, yeah, I heard it's like four or five episodes. Okay. Okay. It's like a little mini. He's going to knock that out. So
1: those are the two that just, uh, you know, uh, that got my attention. Um, So do you want to talk about, and we've we've gone past an hour. That's all right. Yeah. We'll wrap it up here. Do you want to talk about anything else in either
2: Man, Birdie I could, I...
1: or Joe? Or let me just—I guess I'll talk about Joe here uh, for a minute. Okay. Um, I don't think you know I'd seen Nick Cage quite. Oh, that's glorious! That jacket. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh, I don't think I—you know—I am seeing him quite like this. Uh, you know, really heavy. I guess, I maybe in adaptation. He was a little heavier, but heavy. Bearded, you know, tattooed.
2: Which they uh, kept his real tattoos, which was awesome. Oh, those his real Frider tattoos, tattoo. yeah, on yeah. his arms. They let him just keep his regular, okay, his real tattoos on there.
1: They probably didn't have the budget to, you know, do. Well, the, yeah, and he's an makeup. old like
2: you're not you're not closing in on him, you know. So it's like, yeah, whatever. He's already got tattoos, just yeah, just leave them.
1: Um, and uh, you know, again, kind of the anti-hero, you know, manages a crew for a lumber company and you know they i guess they killed trees in order to replace them with um to replant pines because mm-hmm. the trees that
2: are there the are, only way you can yeah eat. the only way you can replant on that land is if they're if the trees die yeah so they're just purposely secretly like killing them all
1: yeah and so he's he's an ex-con uh and, and he'd gotten himself uh you know in, in trouble 29 for, months right yeah for assaulting three cops uh defending himself uh and um you know it seems like his character recognizes the importance of restraint he he, he does, tries he tries and he tries. until he doesn't right right until right so it all kind of builds and uh but like
2: do you all those scenes to me are like warranted that's like it was believable for that character like he didn't just do it to like to do it you know
1: yeah no i think like his character there he's a good you know good man until mm-hmm. you cross him and again another character that's then got he can't a, help himself can't help himself he's got a a code I think um like we see with a lot of other characters where like the whole thing about looking him in the eyes like when you when you talk to joe look at look at him in the eyes um you know he he takes an interest in this kid who's got an alcoholic father who's uh super violent and
2: uh it's so different that movie is so depressing it's really really hard to to watch but
1: it is it is um
2: very dude I'll tell you the thing about that is not just him everyone in that movie is that was fantastically casted or cast, I guess. So I can guess.
1: we talk about the cast a little bit?
2: Sure, if you want to. Yeah, so I know maybe.
1: like the guy that played Wade uh, slash mm-hmm. G Dog. His name was Gary Poulter, mm-hmm. and had not really acted other than I guess he was a um, in the background of an episode of Thirty Something or something when he was when he was younger.
2: Yeah, yeah and he was a, he's a legit break dancer like yeah. when he was younger. They
1: said that the, like the popping and locking that he does in the movie was something that you know he would do as a street performer. I guess yes. he was a street performer in yep. Austin. Um, but he just gives an entirely naturalistic performance, you know. I guess he really was an alcoholic and was homeless and had lived this very hard life. And, you know, that he just wears that. Um,
2: well, and you know what happened to him afterwards.
1: Y- yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, well, yeah, I, I, I do. In real life, in, in, after
2: the movie. In real life, yeah.
1: uh, he was found dead in, like, a reservoir mm-hmm. or a, mm-hmm. a lake in Austin.
2: He got clean for the movie. Yeah. And then he fell off the... The wagon. wagon again, and they found him like dead in some rainwater in like a ravine. Like I think it wasn't even six months after the movie was. Yeah, and they don't think out. it was
1: suspicious or no. I think they he was think just, he was just drunk. drunk, passed out, yeah, or... hit his uh, head or
2: something. Mm-hmm. Sad because he was, man, he was he like I hated him. I want I wanted oh, to yeah. kill him, man. The whole movie it just disgust like.
1: Well, he delivered. A the really amount
2: of emotion that you invest into that movie, at least for me, it, it's like I actually watched it. That was my last bucket right before you you got here to record and uh
1: pretty draining
2: yeah man it's i knew it so i saved it till like the very end because i cry i cry cry every time i watch that movie um but everybody in it is so it's so like real like feeling you know
1: yeah that's what i'm entirely naturalistic and then you know the wade character just that dude delivers such a chilling performance you know he goes from this kind of goofy character that's doing this like Pop and lock dance move stuff. To, to murdering people, brutally murdering oh, that another homeless, homeless guy, guy and yeah. cold blood for that scene. Is his bottle watch, of too, yeah. wine. It's like
2: they went a little overboard with that scene, yeah. in my opinion. I mean, they didn't need to show like as much. Yeah, as they it was. That we got was, the point, it right? Was,
1: it was gruesome, and they, yeah, they. Probably, but it was
2: real, though. That's what was.
1: Yeah, but it it did feel like a, a very realistic depiction of uh, you know that sort of working class. Uh, life that like an ex-con would be yeah living yeah. um the kid though that played gary he
2: was fantastic so his name
1: is ty sheridan
2: mm-hmm.
1: i knew he looked familiar as soon as i yeah, saw he's him still,
2: he's still an actor
1: So he's been in some bigger movies, like Ready Player One, and he was the younger Cyclops in some of the newer X-Men movies. But before that... um,
2: Joe was kind of his break, though, wasn't it, if I'm not mistaken? I think Joe was his break, but he was one
1: of the kids in The Tree of Life, which is a Terrence Malick movie, which, um, you know, probably gets some hard eye rolls for admitting this, but I love that movie. I've never seen it, so I'll have to
2: check it out. It's not even
1: a movie. It's like visual poetry. If you go into it thinking you're getting a movie or... It's not.
2: Okay, it's, good. It's, Sounds cool. Um, A piece of art.
1: Yeah. He was one of the kids in that. He was in the Stanford Prison Experiment. So so Nick, who sent us the email, I, Nick, I still have your DVD of that movie. I apologize. I've had it for probably four years or something now. Uh, I'll get it back to you. Um, he was in that. And then I just told you about that movie, Mud, that I watched, which was a Matthew McConaughey movie mm-hmm. during mm-hmm. the m- McConaissance, you know, that period when he did True Detective Season 1 right. and Dallas Buyers Club. He also made this movie Mud, which I watched, which was great. And he played, uh, like, the main kid in that movie, a kid named Alice. So okay. th- that kid is great. Yeah, oh uh, no, he... This, yeah. this whole cast was was good.
2: Very, you know? very good. Very, very good. But, and I think the other thing that Cage never does is, like, in a movie like that, and even in adaptation, he recognizes, like, the great actors and actresses that he's working with. And when there's a case and he has to be a little subdued and not be the star, yeah, not ha- like that's what Joe's about. He is a very subdued performance that does not um, step on any other performances' toes. Like I mean, really, there's like six main characters in that, yeah, in that movie. Really, I mean, the son, the father, him. Um, uh, it's
1: definitely restrained. Yeah, you know, definitely restrained. Right. Uh, grounded in reality, and of course he, you know. He, he's violent when he needs to be and he you right. know uh but up until that point it's just like very controlled
2: yeah but but it was a warranted it wasn't just a freak out to freak out i mean you you wanted to right. see that like why is this because you're like what why is this guy so bad what and, but then yeah. you realize like he struggles with you know obviously alcohol and i think that he's probably got he's getting sick from like emphysema because he's like coughing and he may not be in the best of health and i think that he kind of knows that that's why well he wants to try to like go back to prison, I think, because he's, I think either he's dying or he's just depressed and he's, like, just sick of going on, you know?
1: Yeah, I think in the beginning of the movie, it seems like he's trying to restrain himself to keep himself out of going to prison. Like, there's opportunities when he could get in fights with people or mm-hmm. whatever. That where he, he, where he's He's, just, subdued, he, yeah. he's really uh-huh. subdued and downplays it. And then, uh, you know i think he gets pulled over once or twice, twice. right and i you know
2: both when that thing, starts both happening
1: or... it's almost like he's asking to get thrown back in
2: mm-hmm.
1: back in prison and i think uh maybe he knows that that's coming or
2: yeah or yeah. that's the other um, thing is maybe he knew he was going to do what he was going to do yeah so he's going like, to so he's
1: going to look out for this kid and he like every threat to that kid's existence gets taken out in one form or another mm-hmm. by the time that movie's
2: mm-hmm.
1: over yeah and and just to me, that goes back to what we were saying before. Like, he plays these characters that are um, that look out for the downtrodden. They look out for the, mm-hmm. the little guy, in this case, a, a kid with a um, violent, alcoholic father. Um,
2: but it's like, and like you said, he's like, he, it's, he's like film noir. He's it's like the reluctant anti-hero.
1: Yeah, yeah. Know, and it makes you I... empathize with him, too. I mean, right. you like him because he looks out for the little guy, but you also empathize with him, um, you know, uh, in different ways as well. So. Yeah, he
2: just he just has this this way of being able to be a chameleon and physically create all kinds of different characters to where you're like you'll see him like just be this badass like that just fights and does whatever and then you'll see him be kind of like this you know nerdy dad or boyfriend like a or whatever neurotic whatever.
1: writer an adaptation or
2: right I yeah. mean just I, I I don't I mean I could you know I could do seven hundred podcasts on on multiple things about, (laughs) about Cage and just like his, you know, I'm just remembering like little quirks and movies and things that he's done. And then you, like I was reading the IMDb, just looking at all the, you know, all the movies like kind of in order and succession. Then like, you know, the only picture I have of him in my phone, I do have one, but it's this because that's like my favorite. (laughs) That's what God looks like. Leather jacket with the the, uh,
1: sculpted beard. Yeah.
2: The red, the red tinted, uh, (laughs) tinted glasses. And, but yeah, he's, I mean, has he done some, what people would call bad, movies absolutely but you know there's very few like i can't I, I i haven't seen all of his video it's hard to keep up with kids and everything i mean i try to catch what i can mm-hmm. but the last you know seven eight years i haven't seen everything but
1: he's been fairly prolific, prolific. yeah <laughs>
2: and, and well i pick and choose like i'll kind of read what they're about or if it's a late night and and uh, but prior to that i mean i would see i mean from from pretty much the rock on i saw every movie that was released in the theater like at least on the day or the weekend that it was You know, released. Yeah, Yeah, I was there. It was a it was a big deal. I looked forward to it, and it wasn't ever really about the movie. It was just to see what he was gonna do. Like I was saying earlier. Yeah. And then as I've gotten older, you know, you start compartmentalizing, like you did. You know, like these kind of performances, those kind of performance, and then just when you think you kind of have him pegged of what he's doing now, he drops like a Mandy on you, and and
1: doesn't fit neatly in any of those those. No, but it's
2: like I literally I saw it at the theater, and I walked out, and I'm like the top fiver for me wow. okay. like it's that it, and he de- i mean all right he's well, just the man
1: i'll ch- i'll check that out for sure that'll be my next my next yes. one um do you uh t- 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 i was thinking about this um do you think that there are any uh female actors that um that are comparable to to nick cage and where i go with this is tilda swinton
0: well like, yeah tilda swinton
1: uh- is like uh the female nick cage in my <laughs> my estimation
2: yeah she just kind of out there does everything and anything but can be just yeah I mean, she could play like the weird. cold-blooded
1: corporate lawyer uh like in um michael clayton mm-hmm. um just you know, like ruthless you know figure uh or she can play like uh you know uh uh crazy a- strange, crazy assassin who's... and snow piercer or yeah. whatever like yeah. Or, or yeah and dr strange yeah. um so um She's for me the one that kind of comes closest yeah. to maybe like of all not even just uh, female actors but like all actors. So just actors, yeah. Um, on on like at least you're basically con- asking at least what contem- would be another contemporary, you contemporary know? yeah. Maybe back in the day like Dennis Hopper, like you know.
2: Yeah, I say yeah. I say like you know the Cage, um, Christian Bale. Um, yeah. This will surprise you, but like I, another guy that I love that's so quirky and weird. I mean, he'd be more of like a uh, but Willem Dafoe is. Yeah. Fantastic. Have you
1: ever seen the the lighthouse?
2: Uh no, I have I want to cuz I heard it's just Yeah. out of this world. Both of them are
1: are great now. In, that in
2: fact, I should have there if we, we, another one with him and Cage. It's called uh Dog Dog Eat Dog. Okay. And it was a, another VOD, but I mean yeah, I haven't seen that one. Cage plays it pretty straight, but Defoe is just a maniac in it. I yeah. I mean,
1: it's you should see him in the good. lighthouse. That's just you I'm should have see to check him. That, yeah. you just You got to see that. Yeah. That movie.
2: But no, so I guess what I'll do is I'll well <clears throat> before we get on to the next chat, you'll be challenging me. So I would ask you. Yeah. Now that we have had this discussion and you revisited, I think I'm going to know your answer because you did extra credit. But resetting yourself and watching these three films. Yeah. <clears throat> a, let's go ahead and say, do you vouch for the films because that we can do that too. But more importantly, you know, I'm not asking you to have him be on the level that I have the man, but like <laughs> you got to vouch, like the guy's a great actor. I mean,
1: yeah. So first of all, I I liked all, all three movies you gave me, I'd say they're in like the good to great range. And I was yeah. definitely happy I watched all three and then mm-hmm. his performances were, were great. And then if you kind of um, step back and look at, um, you know, Nick Cage in general or his whole career or whatever. Yeah. I would absolutely vouch for the guy like, uh, um, but I came into this, like I said, um, knowing what he was capable of. Well, and you,
2: you weren't a hater. That's, and I don't want to, I never want to frame it as that. No, not,
1: not at all. Um, I think for me, like I said, it was just like out of sight, out of mind. I I hadn't, um, paid attention to him lately. mm -hmm. Um, because.
2: Understandably so.
1: Yeah. It's hard. But, um, (laughs) You know, this guy, he, he was uh, kind of like a, a big star in popcorn movies there for mm-hmm. a little while, like in the middle of his well, career. Well, the, the
2: Rock in 96 started it, and then he, you know, uh, there's some people that would argue that kind of ruined his career because he was able to go.
1: Yeah, and you see him you actually kind of get away from like the, the popcorn movies and start moving back into yeah. the artsier stuff because like, i think he
2: started getting like pigeonholed into the con airs the face the face Offs, the rocks the you know
1: yeah like he you know he did eight millimeter like in 99 and then like matchstick man in 2003 another great movie so all those like the big action movies were like mid you know mid to late 90s and then you know he made a bunch of money mm-hmm. which he blew mm-hmm. and then and then you see him kind of circle circle back to the more uh serious movies or more art house type of movies um mm-hmm. but i mean he, he can he can do everything and right hope. i mean
2: i think he's proven him he doesn't need he could just quit tomorrow and yeah. there's nothing to prove but i want that last i want that last uh big comeback cuz i know it's there like i can you, feel you know, i can maybe feel it it's getting close
1: maybe it's the unbearable weight of massive talent i think it may be because um,
2: he's going to make i mean he's 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 going to dismantle everyone's like he's going to make fun of himself He's going to... It's going to be everything. Yeah. Like, when I read that, I just was like, just... Can the world hold together long enough...
1: <laughs> for me to watch this movie. ...for this
2: movie to happen, and then you can do whatever you want to do. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I don't... Well, know.
1: if it gets released in theaters, you oh, know, theaters yeah. are open, you would we'll, think that it we'll would go. The you actors give me a, give me a call. Yeah. I'm, I'm down. Absolutely. I vouch for the man. Absolutely. Um,
2: And real quick, for, for the nerds out there, he is so... <clears throat> We won't even get into that, but the Superman movie that he was supposed to do, mm-hmm. uh, he's actually going to be Superman in the multiverse for DC. They're going to bring that Superman as one of the Supermans in the multiverse. Is it
1: live action or animation?
2: No, it's live action. Really? Yeah. And now with Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness, because Marvel's doing the same thing with the multiverses, yeah. he's going to be Ghost Rider in the multiverse as well. Really? Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. Well, well, it hasn't been confirmed yet, but they're trying, Marvel's trying really hard to make it happen. To make it happen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They realize that there's, you know, a certain subset of their fan base that is, you know, crazed about Nick Cage in the same way. Well, but I
2: think also just like
1: the continuity of it.
2: Correct. Like, and why wouldn't you, you know? And I I mean, I honestly, look, I enjoyed the Ghost Riders. The first Ghost Rider was kind of fun and and cheesy. The second Ghost Rider, the one that everybody hates, I love because. It was a lower budget kind of deal, and they had a different director. And like that one, Cage basically was like, at this point, I just kind of. When he was Ghostwriter, he said he just kind of channeled like a snake. So he's just <laughs> always just kind of because he was like, you know, he was demonic and just yeah. slithery. So when you see him, he's the audience just real, can't
1: see you, but you're doing kind of an Axl Rose thing on yeah, the yeah, mic yeah, right totally now. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh,
2: <laughs> so yeah, so he's gonna. He he brings you know he's I don't know I just I'm now I'm just I'll just shut it down I just. The, the man is my spirit animal. Yeah. I mean, he's just, I love him. <laughs> yeah, I
1: can, I can tell.
2: <laughs> I didn't bring the collage out, I actually. I, I'm
1: not, I'm not, yeah, you have a collage. <laughs> I do
2: have a collage. And I nice. meant to bring what it to entail? show you because nobody believes it. So it's actually at work because I took it to work probably a you year know, ago. You know, there's a lovely. fine line
1: between collages and
2: altars. <laughs> yes. Are there yes. candles near this? No, there's no. Quote, candles. unquote, collage. So let me tell you the story on this real, real quick because it is kind of funny. So I, when I, I worked at a grocery store in, in high school. Okay. So like anytime there would be a magazine, Rolling Stone Entertainment, we, anything with Cage, I would just buy it. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I would get home, read it. And I had like underneath my, between my beds, I had a shelf or whatever. So I just pile all these. So it was like the Beastie Boys and Nick Cage, anything that I, those were my two. So I had all these magazines.
0: Yeah.
2: So then when I was a sophomore and no, a junior in college, I got Mono. Um, and with mono, I had like secondary infections of, like hepatitis, and I had the throat ache, the diphtheria. It took me out. I had to withdraw from yeah. college for L- a semester. A lot
1: of time in your room at home.
2: Right. So I would sleep all day, because that's when I was the sickest. And then at night, mm-hmm. I was up. Yeah. So I did two things while while <laughs> this happened. First, so this was like, I mean, I I had a, I didn't, I had a fever constantly for about thirty eight days. Yeah. So I didn't do much for thirty eight days. But what I did is I cut out every single picture of Cage. While I was watching Eddie and the Cruisers every night. <laughs> so I watched Eddie and the Cruisers 38 times Yeah. in a row. And then I would cut and laminate the cage pictures.
0: You had and like I got a laminating board. machine? And no,
2: I just would get, I would like put a bunch of them on, on like, and then okay. cut a sheet and then just cut them out laminated. And okay. then I got poster board and I taped all of them in like a collage together, which I still have. It's at work. I'll have to bring in show to you next time. But I still have it. And that was on my... Were your parents concerned about any, well, any of this? <laughs> Come on, I think I think most people are, have been concerned about me my entire yeah. life. But I'm here in my mid forties. It's okay, people. I'm, I am a little weird. Like I like letting the eccentric stuff go. But so it was kind of like as a joke, and kind of like I was bored. And then I was like, right. So, but then it turned into this. Like all my, you know, people would make fun of me. But it was on my, you know, you shut my bedroom. You still door. have it. I still it's at work now. But I had it rolled up down here for okay. years. I mean. It it came down when the, I got married. The wife, you know, it was the wife did not want it in the house anymore. Is that... No, we 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 took it. We kept it. It was like I actually had it nailed into a like, it, it was a garage of my old house, but it was a room. <laughs> so like when you walked into that room, that was like, yeah, the kind of shrine thing. And then so another dude at my work loves Cage, and I was like, oh, I'll have to show you my Cage collage, you know. And he, I'm always messing around with people, right? So right. he's like, oh okay, okay. So then I brought it into work, and yeah. he was just like. And he's like, It's really, really good. Yeah. But he's like, That's really, really, really creepy. Yeah, I'm really concerned. I'm like, Yeah. I don't know, is it? Yeah. But see, it was a joke too though, because like you'd come up to my you'd come up to my bedroom <laughs> and you you would when I still live at home, you'd go in, you'd shut my bedroom door, and on the back of my bedroom door was a life size picture of Hat David Hasselhoff. Yeah. And then right above, like to the right of that on my wall was the The, the Cage. Cage collage, yeah. Cage collage, yeah. yeah. All right. So, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Take, I'll show a, you that take a picture of this fantastic. on your phone. Send it to I me. Will, I will. I will tomorrow when I go um, to
1: work. <laughs> if anybody wants to see this thing, they can send an email to sso. Maybe I'll tweet pod it out. at gmail.com. <laughs> um, all right. Are you ready for your, your challenge?
2: I'm ready for my challenge.
1: All right. So, we've, I mean, we've uh, been doing movies for a, a minute or actors, you know. Um, I'm going to switch gears and do music. And I'm also going to pick something. Um, that uh i'm not sure that you're gonna vouch in fact I, I have reason to believe that you you won't because you told me in the past you can't you can't get into this band
0: oh, okay um, i know what you're doing to me here yeah it's gonna be their new so, album no it's not oh, okay.
1: it's not a new album it's okay. uh it's some mixed media so let me let me okay. explain so the band is the avit brothers okay um they're uh you know folk rock sort of bluegrass band um I don't know, I would describe them as Americana, right? They do a little bit of everything, a little bit of country, a little bit of punk, pop. Um, the Avid Brothers. Um, I just got into this band like five years ago, and they've been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, and weren't on my radar for whatever reason. And
2: well, how There's I, so much music out there, dude.
1: Yeah, they've, they've <laughs> been pretty prolific. I think they've got like a dozen Well, I mean, I'm just saying
2: there's so much music in general. Oh, like not if, just Avid. Not okay. on the radar, yeah. <laughs>
1: um so i watched a documentary on hbo um and it came out in 2017 so i guess i've only been any of these guys like three or four years but the documentary was called may it last about the recording of their album true sadness and um uh uh, apatow judd apatow did that movie because he's a fanboy of these guys he's followed them for a long time so he put together this documentary that covered like a, a year in their life filming the album true sadness um including some time that they spent with Rick Rubin, you know, the producer yep. Rick Rubin. Oh, absolutely. Um, who, legend. Legend, yeah. At the Shangri-La in um, Malibu, the, the famous recording studio. Um, the part of it, I think that kind of the end of it takes place there. But So I, I hadn't really uh, heard of these guys. I wasn't really um, familiar with their music or anything. And I saw this documentary, and by the end of the documentary, I was a fan so I came to this band through the documentary first. So you checked them out after you saw the documentary? Yeah. Okay. And uh, so what I'll tell you is um, this is not my favorite band. <clears throat> They're not probably even in my top five, maybe not even in my top ten, right? That's fine. Um, and this isn't, like, I don't think they have an album that is just fantastic front to back right like we talk about that mike is it mike Polizi or mike police how do you pronounce it well
2: yeah mike police is how i say but i think it's police whatever
1: yeah yeah that solo album that you recommended is just awesome from front to back Mm -hmm. right you can Mm -hmm. listen to that whole Mm -hmm. album like the second or third time i heard that i was i was hooked i can't say that any of their albums have done that for me Mm -hmm. right but they have some real gems
2: Okay. Right. Some, some. So you're gonna basically give me a playlist. I'm gonna give it?
1: you. It's gonna be like 20 years ago, and you're my wife. I'm gonna okay. make you a mixtape. All right. Right. All right. But I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna, maybe trick you, in, into liking them by making you watch that documentary first. So okay. I'll give you my HBO, uh, passcode. Um, HBO Now or whatever it's called these days i'm gonna gonna have you watch yeah yeah secrets out i'm gonna hence tubi that's tubi it's free right
2: dude yeah
1: so i'm gonna have you watch the documentary this appetite documentary may it last um and then after you watch that i want you to listen to these i'm just gonna give you eight songs and they're off a variety of different albums all right i'm good for that and they're gonna it's gonna start off really light and really fun and it's going to uh, work its way up to some more serious, sort of self-reflective, somber songs. Okay. Um, you don't have to write this down because I'll text it to you after okay. the, we get done recording here. But song number one is Kick Drum Heart.
2: Okay.
1: Song number two is C Sections and Railway Trestles. Song number three, Ain't No Man. Song number four, I and Love and You. Song number five, November Blue. Song number six, Murder in the City. Song number seven, Head Full of Doubt slash Road Full of Promise. And song number eight, my all-time favorite, No Hard Feelings. My all-time favorite from these guys. Um, That is probably one of my all-time favorite songs, just period two. Um, So I ask you, you know, listen to these songs in, in that order. I'll actually have you listen to them in that order. Okay.
2: After um, I watch the because I
1: subscribe to the the notion that uh, you know John Cusack's character subscribes to in High Fidelity that song order is important. Oh, I'm a... so this starts yes. starts lighter and fun and and, and and like I said becomes more more serious and contemplative as you as you get to the end. But watch the documentary first. All right. Um, give it I don't know three to five spins of these eight songs. Okay, and then. Let me know what you think. And then the next episode, I'd like to go into each song, song by song. I'll drive the discussion.
2: Okay. So quick discussion on the documentary.
1: Quick discussion on the documentary, right? We should probably start with that. And then I'll get into each song, kind of go talk about the instrumentation, um, what I like about the song, and then maybe analyze some some lyrics. Sure, There's Nothing too, it's fun. too heavy. Um, right. And, you know, if you don't vouch for it, that's okay. It'll be our first mixed vouch. Or maybe I won't vouch uh, for
2: all, just some.
1: Yeah, and that's that's fine too. So you yeah. good with that? Yeah. All right. Um so
2: it's I'm looking forward to it because I think we realize on this one three movies is a lot to uh to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so this will be a nice break. and I don't yeah. I'm not saying that we don't ever do it again, but it is a nice break to come back with just Yeah just some music like at work. You can take it in, in different situations to see how your feelings are, like when you're driving by yourself, you get to yeah, you know, so that'll be nice.
1: Yeah, let it let it marinate, let it uh yeah. breathe with you. Um and we'll get back together. I should I should note that we're going to try to get an interview with um
2: with JT from with JT from, Ishii. from 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 Ishi yes. soon.
1: And maybe that one'll air before the bit brother episode airs. Maybe it won't. Oh. I don't know, but if
2: the good thing is is like we can we can fit that in whenever okay um and and what we'll have this quick discussion too is the more i've been thinking about what we're doing and is obviously the 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 main format is our challenging and and what we're doing here but uh you know the the jt thing and then we've talked about some other folks we'd like to interview so occasionally i think this will Veer into it won't be a voucher, no voucher. It'll just be turned yeah. into kind of something that has come from our secret sources of sustenance, yeah, yeah. which will be like kind of a nice little break.
1: I I agree, and, and I'm
2: I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, we'll I agree definitely. Get, I know I did talk to JT. Uh, I don't have a time frame, but here soon we will definitely okay get him on. I'm looking forward so, to that. So that, that too, may yeah. or
1: may not come before the uh, the Ava show. We do what we want, Ben. That's right. <laughs> 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 All right, well we'll wrap it up here. Uh, we we had a. a something to say here at the out though do you do you want to you're, you're the police fan so do you want to
2: well no i'll let i'll let you you thought of it so it was well it was like a hybrid thing so but you 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 here you say it. we'll take turns you say it this week i or this podcast i'll do it the next one are you right. talking about the tagline that you've come up with yeah well no what are you talking no about? that is the ta- yeah, yeah that
1: is what i'm talking about yeah we didn't we didn't say exactly what it would be so is it going to be this is ben and bob sending out an ssos
2: yeah yeah i we can we can do that or hey we're you know we're just sending everyone out an ssos so uh hopefully you guys will hopefully more than just our friends and family will start listening to this and and but i want those folks who are the most important people in our lives to play along and it sounds like some of your friends i haven't really uh i need to do a better job of letting my my buddies know yeah I let a couple know they've been
1: asking about i'd some... like for
2: these guys to play along hopefully they will it sounds like they are
1: yeah I and think, i will say I both so. of
2: my friends did watch um something that we had,
1: had oh, recommended
2: yeah. in preparation
1: one well, folks have been asking about uh, so, yeah. Ishi as well so
2: I'll, yeah a lot of people and listen uh that's awesome and it please if you do like Ishi, i know we all have streaming services but man, buy his music, like whether it be digitally. I know that sometimes on his site, I don't know if he has any left yet, I haven't checked, but he'll have some vinyls or some CDs or just support the guy, man. He's got some 10th anniversary merch, or at least he did. I bought three shirts. <laughs> so right. get out there and support this, this band. They're awesome uh, and we're so grateful that they let us use their awesome music uh, for the podcast. And to Ben's point earlier, uh, very positive music. Those albums are yeah. spiritual, positive, you know. Uh, and I think that if you like those two songs that we use, then you're going to like pretty much
1: all yeah, of it. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, there's um, a lot of good stuff there, and it's, it's uh, not just all sort of that um, electronic vibe, but there's some acoustic stuff on there, well, too. Well, and, and, and he's getting stuff. ready. Well,
2: he was. He was getting ready to release a new album. Okay. So I'm hoping that we can talk to him about that, because, and I had sent you a few. It's I think it's oh, going to be pretty interesting. Press. Yeah, it's like uh, you know stripping down a lot more. I think he learned to play guitar. Okay. Uh, you know over the last several years so you're going to have a lot of that but then he has also kind of got like some soul and r&b and some hip hop. i mean he's just just it's awesome he does a little bit of everything oh
1: well, yeah i'm very looking, creative looking forward to hearing more from him and talking to him so well we will wrap it up here thanks everybody and uh bob enjoy the uh avid brothers i will all right bye
0: thank you for listening to secret sources of sustenance We'd like to thank Ishi from Dallas, Texas for allowing us to use their music in our podcast. Check them out at IshiMusic.com, Ishi Music on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, at Ishi music on Twitter. Their music is available on all major streaming platforms. Thank you as well to David Thexton at David Thexton Photography for allowing us to use his photo in our cover art. Please visit DavidThextonPhotography.com for more of his amazing work. And thank you for the production help we've received from Marquee Creative. For commercial, corporate, or any video or audio production help you need, visit marqueecreativekc.com.